You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where we are diving deep into an ETF. It's part of our ETF mini-series, Kate Campbell. Yes, part four today. So if you haven't listened to the other episodes this week where we helped you understand how ETFs work, what they are, how do you use them in a portfolio, how do you actually research and compare ETFs, I would recommend starting with those episodes Yep. for context. <laughs> and Monique. Hello, well, hello. You own, as we've established, the IOZ ETF. Yes. Just before we get into what's included in today's episode, do you know what it's invested in? Do you know what's inside it? Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay so I did when I got it. Now I forgot it. <laughs> okay. Perfect. That's good. It changes. So don't worry. It would have changed a little bit. So we'll talk about why that's important. Mm-hmm. And it kind of answers like when you go from one ETF to five ETFs or 10 ETFs, depending on which way you go with that, this is the thing that you need to understand, which we'll get to today. So how do you put them all together? Mm-hmm. Why some people get it wrong? Yeah, and for those watching the video version, the prop situation has gotten more chaotic today. Yes, we do have, on the table in front of us, we do have a box of favourites. We've got two boxes of favourites. There is a big pile to my left. And then on the right, there are a few, just a handful. We've got Picnic, Cherry Ripe, Turkish Light, just a few. But on the other side, there's a big pile. And then there's some cash, some fake money as well. And so we'll try and explain this as we go through and why this is important. So just imagine in your head two different piles. One of them is a lot bigger and it has some fake money alongside it. The other one is just chocolates. Yeah. So today's episode, after doing all the research in episode three and figuring out what the different ETFs are available for the position you want to add to your core portfolio. In this episode, we're going to make the assumption that you've picked something and we're going to show you how to really understand that ETF, find out as much information as you can 
really get to know the holdings because I think that's really important when you're building your core portfolio because otherwise you can end up replicating the holdings across multiple ETFs. Mm -hmm. And also we'll talk about how do you fit it in your overall portfolio and making sure there's not too much overlap. Yep. So there is a kind of a bit of a hands-on approach with this. We'll try and talk you through it. But indeed, we're going to be talking about uh, one ETF in particular, which is the IVV ETF. It's from iShares. That's the ETF provider. The S&P 500. Minute, do you know what the S&P 500 is? No. Okay. So I'll give you I'll give you just the inside scoop here. Please. Your IOZ ETF is an Australian shares ETF. Mm-hmm. So inside of it, you're going to have Australian shares. Right. The IVV ETF tracks the S&P 500 index, which is the United States version. Mm, okay. That makes sense. So you're going to get US shares inside of it. Like right. Netflix. Apple, Microsoft, so on and so forth. So that's the key difference. So, Kate, where do you want to start? I think we should just start by explaining our chosen ETF that we're going to look at today and some of the fast facts and how we're finding that information. Yeah, sure. So uh, let's just start with some of these very simple things. Um, I'll also do a bit of a – actually, I'll just go straight to the iShares website and I will start – Uh, sharing my screen for anyone that's on video and explain it uh, for you. Yeah. So we've headed, well, I've just found it by Googling IVV ASX to find the ETF Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what we've chosen, but it's just by heading to the BlackRock website to find the iShares S&P 500 ETF. And at the very start of the page, right there, you can see what the management fees are. So that's the cost that you pay, but it's automatically taken out of the ETF for running the ETF. So that's how BlackRock make their money for doing this. And it's 0.04% per year. So that's incredibly low. Yes. It actually works out to be about 0.05 once some fees and costs are included. So it's just a tiny bit more than that. But you can see it right there, Monique. That's the fee. So if you had $1,000 invested in this ETF, you could expect 0.05% to come out of that every year. Okay. Right? Yeah. But it's deducted daily. So you don't have to pay for this, as we, we mentioned. It's just, it comes out automatically. It's all just included. Yeah. But that's like a t- on $1,000, that's a tiny amount of money. Mm. I don't even know what that is. I might just Google it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, finance uh, people cannot do percentages in their head. Yeah. I think it's I think it's 40 cents. That's what Google looks like it's telling me. So it's tiny. Yep. So when you think about what you get in that basket and for them to manage it for you, to send the tax statements and all that every year... Um, it's pretty cost effective. In it's fact, not it's, that much. Yeah, it's one of the cheapest, uh, lowest cost ETFs okay. on the market. So um, I don't think, I think it may even be the, it's got to be up there in the top five. Yeah, that's even cheaper than the ASX ETFs we've had a look at. Yeah. So the index that it tracks is also available on the website. It's under the fast facts or key facts area. Um, it tracks the S&P 500. That It kind of gives that away in the name because it says iShares S&P 500 ETF. Sometimes they don't say in the name what index they cover. Sometimes it'll just be like iShares America shares ETF or iShares USA shares ETF or something like this. And you have to then go in and find out which index it tracks. Uh, But it says here, the fund aims to provide investors with the performance of the S&P 500. So the index is designed to measure the performance of large capitalization US equities. You're going to have questions out of that because that's a pretty complicated thing. Yeah. So how do you know exactly like what it is, I guess? 
Yeah, so you'd have to scroll further down the page and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, it will show you the top holdings. Mm -hmm. So if we, we can actually do that right now. And I'm, I know Kate's on the page too. But if you scroll down, you can see the, the, the top 10 positions. Yep. Um, now, if you go to underlying holdings, this is what we want to click. You can see it's in Apple and there's 7%, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, Alphabet is the owner of Google, etc. Mm -hmm. Right? Cool. Now, if you want to go further down, you can see what sectors. Okay. And what does that mean? So that would be like, a company like Apple is, I believe, an IT company because it does technology, right? Yeah. Um, whereas a company like, I don't know, Cochlear, which does the implantable hearing aids, yep. that would be in healthcare. Okay. Um, and consumer discretionary, that would be like retail stores. Like yeah. So just their categories. Yeah, just categories, exactly. Yeah, and this is it's quite interesting to look at this sector breakdown because it's very different to what you'd see in your IOZ ETF, which is investing in Australian businesses mm. yeah. because many of the large Australian businesses are in the mining materials sector and the financials, so all the big banks. So mm -hmm. the top 10 of your US 500 ETF is very different to the top um, companies in the Australian ETF you get. Mm. Okay. So that's important to understand. Um, we can see inception date. This ETF has been going for a long time. Um, and we can see that if we go to the performance table, which is here, we can see it just says inception. So it says like you can, it's like after 10 years because it's got a 10 year track record. You can okay. see how well it's done over 10 years. But because that number's, because the inception number is different to the 10 years, you know it's been going longer than 10 years. Okay. So another way to check is you click, click on the share chart. price chart. And you can go all, select the time frame of all. And if we scroll right back to the beginning, this started in the year 2000. Whoa. So this is one of the longest running ETFs. Okay. Yeah. So if we were thinking about like the performance and seeing how good this ETF is, yeah. we, we have a very, very strong yeah. like sense of it because we have such a long time frame. And then, so that's why it's a good one to kind of it invest adds, in. Yeah, it adds to it. At, like if you had like, if you could only give an ETF like 10 points, if you yeah. think about like you only have 10 points to give, you would maybe give it extra points for having such a long track record versus one that only has been around for a year. Yeah. yeah. You deduct points for that or something like this, yeah. right? Because you can clearly see how it's gone yeah. throughout this time. And so you know how we say, have you ever heard like, and they do that, that thing with their hands on the yeah. superannuation ads? Yeah. And it's uh, for industry super funds and they go- Square thing. Compare the pair. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then they say past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. Yeah. Now, the reason that they say that is a lot of things that people invest in. Most people that invest in ETFs think this too. And super funds, they're like, oh, look, this one did well last year. I'll invest in that this year. Yeah. And the, all of the studies show that if you just pick what did well last year, it's probably going to be a flop this year. Yeah. But people still do that and they do yeah. it with thematic ETFs as well. Yeah. So you need more than a year. You need more than a year. I would say five and ten years is the gold standard. Maybe like this is well, this is probably the gold standard. You know, five years would be silver, ten years it gets gold. So we can see how it's gone, not just through like one president mm -hmm. of the United States or yeah, you know, one market cycle. It's like multiple. Yeah, yeah, and even on this website, you can see the growth of a hypothetical ten thousand dollars since yeah. inception. So that's quite. A cool tool to actually visualize oh, yeah. it and there's nearly five billion dollars invested in this etf yeah so cool. it a is lot. a pretty popular one one thing to keep in mind that okay, you can see this on the ten thousand dollar 
hypothetical chart. Because this ETF launched in 2000, which was the top of the dot-com mm-hmm. boom, you can see that $10,000 invested then would have stayed around $10,000 for the first year. And then it fell in 2002 to around about $6,000. So you would have been down $3,000, $4,000. And it stayed below $10,000 until 2013. Oh, wow. So you would have taken 13 years to make your money back. And that's if you invested that whole $10,000 at the same time in 2000. Whereas if you only looked at this from... 2011 when it was below 6,000, if you only looked at it from that time mm-hmm. all the way up to now, you'd say, oh, the stock market just goes up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can see here it went 13 years of sideways. Yeah. So what would have people done in that time where it wasn't doing so well? I can almost, I say with very high conviction that 99% of people would have sold out. Okay. Because they would have been like, this thing hasn't done anything. They said it would keep going up. It's American businesses. Why is this thing not growing? Mm. And after three or four years of hearing that, you'd be like, okay, yeah. time to sell it. <laughs> yeah. But you can see here that actually, no, that was the best time to keep adding. Mm. Yeah. And if uh, if you are following a regular investments, lots of time approach, you wouldn't have invested all of your money at, at, that, one s- at yeah. that one go in 2000. You'd have invested a bit in 2000, a bit in ninety. Eight, a bit in 99, a bit in 2001. Cool. So you'd keep chipping away over time. So you wouldn't have that same dramatic fall. Yeah. So now we kind of benefit from that information. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so what would have been, and this is why if you look over the last 10 years, it's set, the IVV ETF says it's done 17.6% mm-hmm. per year, right? That's what it's saying. But since 2000, it's only grown at 5.6%. Mm-hmm. So that shows you that over the last 10 years, things have been really good. Yeah. But if you were sitting here today and thinking, oh, look, over 10 years, it's done 17%. That's what I'm going to get for the next 10 years. You might be like, hold on a second. That isn't what actually happens. You might get closer to 5.6%. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, and you can see over a year, it's gone backwards 6%. So it's really like if you just pick the last year's results, you'd say, this thing's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, we're looking at it for the years... Uh, the, the time ended 31 August 2022, just for reference. Yeah. I think that's a good thing about researching this particular ETF is it has such a long track record. So you can get mm. to understand the rises and falls and mm. the different performance figures. Yeah. And so the key takeaway here is that you can look at performance. We want a longer term track record. Uh, many of the thematic ETFs are quite new. There's like the ones that do like just crunchies or just morrows, um, the ones that might do like cybersecurity and that they're quite new. Yeah. And I think another takeaway from looking at this is don't invest all of your money at one, in one go. We continuously say this is just if you have $10,000, start with a 1000 bucks or $2,000 this month, wait a month, do another 1000 and just slowly do it. You know, um, We had one guy write in for our investors podcast the other day, lovely chap. He wrote in and said he's just selling his investment property, which they've held forever, and it was like $700,000, and he was going to put it all in one ETF. And he's reached out to me, and I'm like, well, first of all, this isn't personal advice. <laughs> Second of all, maybe just like break it up. Chill, chill a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And by the way, I discovered through that, I always knew that this was a thing, but Vanguard told me when I called them, they said, you can't invest it all in one go. We won't accept it. You have okay. to break it up into smaller than, I think she said, smaller than 500000 or smaller than 250000 Okay. 
That's just because if you put one order in for $700,000 in your brokerage account, Vanguard then has to go and get $700,000 worth of shares like instantly. And that can be tricky. So that's why they say break it up. Yeah. And it's smart anyway. Yeah. yeah. We would never advocate putting all your money into one thing at one time. Yeah. It's always small bits lots of times and especially when you're learning. And I think that's where a lot of people come unstuck, uh, especially um, when they're new to investing is they'll find one thing and put the whole life savings in. And often that is the stories where people um, get scared or end up investing in something that they didn't really want to invest in and then end up losing money. So we want a, a slow, sustainable approach. You want to be like a snail. Yeah. The snail wins the race. Yeah, just continuously adding. Um, you can see it says inception date here was 15th of May 2000. Uh, the next question is, what about like dividends that you get from the ETF, mm. right? So down the left-hand side, they've got a distribution thing. A distribution is just the ETF version of a dividend. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, so yeah. they pay quarterly distributions. Yep. yep. So then you can click on that link and you can see the different times that they've paid, what they've paid. Cool. Um, Do you know when the next one's coming? Do they tell you that? Well, if it's quarterly and you can look in the list and this one's got obviously like 10 pages of There'll be one next month in October. So just in terms of the cadence, it's got October, December, April, July. Um, and they vary in amounts. But this is this is the key difference, Monique, is when you get a shared dividend, so you get well, like BHP pays you a dividend, what you receive in cash is your dividend, mm-hmm. right? That is just like the profits of the company coming back to you. But when you get one from an ETF, it's not always just the profits and just the cash. Sometimes there are other things that go against your tax file number mm-hmm. that you then need to report to the ATO. So, for example, this ETF invests in the US market, yeah. right? So, according to the ATO in Australia, some of this might be foreign income. Okay. So, then there might be something that you have that has to be disclosed there. And because yeah. you own the ETF, you are the one that benefits from that income. So it gets a bit complex. It's yeah. a bit more complex than just, oh, five bucks in my account as a dividend. That's $5 of income in my tax return. Yeah. So the way you have to manage that is two things. One, wait until the end of the financial year. Your ETF provider will send you a document that says, here's all of your information. Give this to your accountant. Right. The other thing to be mindful of, and this is for everyone that's listening, sometimes when you go to these websites, it says like, what does it say, Kate? Like yield or like, uh, it will say things like distribution yield, and it makes you think it's like a dividend. Mm-hmm. Now, so, so see here, it's got trailing yield. So it says 1.2% or 1.3%. Yeah. Now, this may not be a pure dividend. This might be some capital gains tax. There might be some other things that come with it. Yeah. So just be careful before you go and trust everything that you see. Like if you see a dividend, and this happens a lot with ETFs, and it says like yield 17%. Like there are no ETFs that pay 17% sustainably. If they're giving you 17%, it means they're taking 17% or something like that out of the ETF price right. and giving that back to you. So this would be like okay. taking money out of your left pocket to put it in your right. Yeah. Right? And you think this is a great dividend, mm-hmm. but then your the value of your investment is falling. So, you're, because you're taking money out of it and putting it in your pocket yeah. when it's really not sustainable. Yeah, okay. So, we have some ETFs here in Australia that, own, that try and 
what, what do they call them, like harvester ETFs? Yeah, or maximi- yield maximizer ETFs. Yield maximizer. And what they try and do is they try and return dividends to you mm-hmm. as frequently as possible and as big as possible. But what they actually do is end up sacrificing growth. Okay. So they're basically ignoring growth and just giving you money. So it'd be like you put $1,000 in, mm-hmm. then you get $100 back, dollars back as a dividend. You're like, oh, wow, dividend. But the value of your investment has fallen to nine fell to nine hundred. Yeah, okay. Then they do it again and you're like, Oh great, a dividend. Yeah. And then it's eight hundred. Okay. Oh wait, another dividend, yeah. seven hundred. And then it just keeps falling. Yeah. So that's what they're doing. They're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what we want to see is a dividend yield, yes, but we also want to see the share price going up. Okay. So that's Yeah. So that's the the yield is much lower here. It's their trailing twelve month yield is one point two seven percent. So you'll if you've just been looking at some of the um, ASX ETFs, you would have noticed that it probably had a high yield, maybe mm. three or four or five percent. And so when you have IOZ, it's paying a higher distribution. Yeah. And that is because a lot of the US companies will reinvest back into the company yep. rather than pay out income to shareholders. It's a bit of a different culture okay. in Australia. Yeah, because in Australia we have tax credits called franking credits. You probably yep. heard us mention those before. Um, we won't necessarily get into the detail, but it basically means that you, you're not double taxed. Okay. So the ATO stores a credit for you. Mm-hmm. So then you can claim that. And because of that, companies are like, well, the tax environment in Australia is pretty good. We'll pay more dividends. Whereas in the United States, they tax dividends, fully tax dividends. So the company's like, well, we're not going to pay it back because they will just lose, our shareholders will just lose money through tax. Yeah. So that's, does that make, so just in general, yeah. is it kind of making sense? Yeah. So like you want to kind of look out for the ones with the higher yield. Is that right? Yeah. You just want to be cautious. So if you see a, ETF and it's got when it says yield and it says like ten percent, that would be like alarm bells for me. Okay, because they might be doing that one year and then not in the others. Um, this happened during COVID though. So during COVID, there's an e- there's an ETF here in Australia that on June thirtieth, uh, July first, so just after the tax year, it fell seventeen percent or something. Yeah, well. and everyone's like, "What's happened to my ETF?" And but they didn't know is that the ETF provider ended up giving that 17% back later on as a check, like a dividend. Okay. Because it had to. Legally, it had to pay back the the gains that were made. And so people were outraged on Reddit. It was like a full thing. Um, but they were just giving it back. Okay. Yeah. So that's one of the things. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. So it's some of these, because the top 10 holdings can be quite substantial in Australian ETFs, it's some years it can be really lumpy depending on what's happened with a particular company. If there was a special dividend, sometimes like an Australian company might do three dividends for the year because of a merger or something, something, something. So mm. that's worth noting that one year does not represent the next year at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are many reasons why the, that yield thing can bounce up and down. Um the I'll just give you some rules of thumb. These are not like I'm not guaranteeing these are accurate, but just some rules of thumb. For an Australian shares ETF, like the one that you're you've got, yep. you can expect probably between three and five percent. Okay. That's the probably the natural dividend. Right? Now if you're looking at the US ones like we have here, you can probably expect between one and two point five percent. That's probably reasonable. Uh, if you start to see yields above that, that's when you might be starting to see other things that are in the mix, like the a tax reason or a, okay. a weird thing that won't be repeated. Some of the dividend ETFs in Australia, the ones that just invest in dividend stocks, might be closer to three to 6%, like a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I was looking at this not too long ago, 
And it, if you get the higher you go in dividends, typically the more your ETF is going to fall every year. Okay. Again, that robbing Peter to pay Paul thing. Yeah, yeah. So generally between 3 and 5% is sustainable. Okay. That's kind of just like the rule of thumb to go by Yeah, that. just a very rough rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is the one thing that our members, Kate, uh, talk about a lot, which is the top 10 holdings. Yes. So that's what we wanted to unpack a bit for IVV because when you're constructing your portfolio, you want to make sure there's not too much overlap. And so we wanted to talk about some of the top 10 holdings, which I don't know if you can guess what the the biggest holding in the S&P 500 Imagine is. US companies. Apple. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, Apple. Yeah. Apple, if you put $100 in IVV, $7 would be invested in Apple. Cool. Yeah. So you can see that here when Kate is saying $7, we're just using dollars instead of percentages. Yeah, I'm, I'm rounding here. Yeah. We can see here that it's um, Apple is about 7%. Cool. Yeah. Um, Microsoft is about 5.6%. Yep. Amazon is about 3.4%, Tesla 2.3%, right? Nice, yeah. So, for, in Kate's example, for every $100, and I'll pick up the fake $100 note, for every 100 of these, $7 of that would go into right. Apple, Definitely effectively. Apple. That's yeah. what you're getting, right? Now, if we compare another ETF, so we'll go to the Vanguard ETF, the VGS ETF. This is the most popular international shares ETF. Mm-hmm. So here we can see in the name, Vanguard, and I just Googled uh, Vanguard VGS, guys, um, international shares. Mm-hmm. So the S&P 500 is only US companies. That's the S&P 500. This is international shares. This includes more than just okay. US. It's international. It's everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Right? Global. Yeah, global, bro. So if we keep going down um, and we go to the top 10 holdings, da, 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 uh, and da, 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 here we go. Because it has a global focus, there's going to be stuff from the United Kingdom. There's going to be stuff from Canada. Japan. Japan, all these different places. Yeah. But we can see here in the top 10 holdings, these are the 10 biggest investments inside of it. Mm-hmm. We can see that it's still pretty much the same list. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Now, do you want to guess why that might be the same? The... The biggest companies in the world. <laughs> exactly. So the US companies are the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. That's why when you have a global or all world ETF, you're going to get mostly US companies. Yeah. And so a way to check that is on the website of one of these um, ETF providers. You can see they break it down by market. Mm-hmm. So you can see as a con- as an overall country, United States companies make up 71% of VGS. Okay. That's this ETF. Yeah. And of the S&P 500, we would probably expect that to be 100% mm-hmm. because they're only US companies. Yeah. I don't even think it provides a breakdown because it's just US companies. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it doesn't. So, it's just US companies. Okay. Now... So, because it's pretty much the same thing, what would you go for? So, if you think about it, a lot of people, uh, when they look at the VGS ETF and make what well, the international ETF and what makes it so popular, is that you get... America as kind of like it's a great economy to invest in but what happens if America is not always the best place to invest in okay. well you want to make sure you've got some of these other ones in here as well yeah and so that's effectively what you get here okay now th- if we wanted to go into the detail a little bit more I actually quite like the IVV ETF mm-hmm. this is the just US one it doesn't actually show it on this page here 
But of the S&P 500 companies, so for all those 500 companies, if you look at all the individual companies and see where they make their money from, 30% of their money comes from outside the United States. Okay. So if you thought about that for a second, mm. even though it's a US company ETF, like it's investing in US companies, the top 500, those companies have many operations outside of the United States, like Apple. And Amazon a, have heaps of warehouses Amazon, and distribution right. centers yeah. in, and employees, and they have multiple offices in Australia. And yeah. Um, yeah. there's people using Amazon Prime in Australia. I'm getting a meat yep. thermometer from Amazon in Australia. <laughs> You're it, yay. Uh, well, it arrived yesterday. I, I measured the temperature of the air. That's uh, what I got. <laughs> nice. But yeah, all these and people are buying Teslas in Tesla, Australia. Google businesses are using Microsoft software. We use Johnson and Johnson in every hospital in Australia. You yeah. know, so Exxon Mobil, like Seven Eleven, Hathaway's yeah. getting yeah. referenced in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and people overlook that. Yeah, okay. Now, so the argument is basically which one do you go with? Yeah. And it comes down to a choice between how much do you want in the United States companies and how much do you want in global companies? Okay. Now, the uh, it turns out the IVV ETF is also cheaper in terms of its mm. management fee. Mm -hmm. um, now, this is just my own preference and just, just putting this in here. I like both of these ETFs and I think they're fantastic. If you own either one of them, wonderful. You could own both, but we'll explain why that might be a bit of a wrinkle in just a second. But I like the S&P 500 ETF because, to be honest, I trust that the American economy and the American way of life is still going to be strong. Yeah. I trust, like, the governance. And while we have, you know, some European companies in the VGS ETF, I don't have that same conviction that it's always going to be as good. Maybe it's like it is. generally the more companies, does it make it more complicated or? It does actually, to a, to a point it does. So that's an interesting question. Because if you think about it, if you have one ETF, so I don't know how many are inside the VGS ETF. Oh, here we go. There are 1,474 companies. So you're not going to be able to look up all of those companies. Yeah. I mean, you've, you could probably find a spreadsheet that goes on for days and it will list them all. But um, what happens is, remember, the biggest companies rise to the top. Mm-hmm. So what tends to happen is most of the companies that you get exposure to are in the top 100, say. Yeah. Um, and so when it gets down to those next 1,300, you're not going to get as much exposure to them. But it's still good to be in there. Um, so there is a point where some of the ETF providers just can't simply own all of the shares. There's just like too many inside the ETF. Okay. So what they do is they try and get like 90% of the way there and then stop. Um, there are some, like, uh, I, I think I can say this, like Stockspot, uh, which is the robo-advisor, they have the IOO ETF. Mm -hmm. That's another ETF from iShares. And that ETF only invests in 100 companies. Okay. And the, one of the reasons that they have on their website is that it's easier for the ETF to provider to buy and sell because there's only 100. Yeah, it's easier. It's yeah. Simple. It's, it's simplest to manage. Uh, I, it's a little bit expensive for my liking that ETF, but that's their rationale. Mm -hmm. And so you can't really go wrong with either of these two if you want global exposure. But, and this is a point that Kate and I are trying to make here, is a lot of people buy these ETFs and they're like, they hear us say, oh, IVV looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. And they already own this one on the left, this VGS. And they're like, oh, well, I'll just buy, mm -hmm. just buy the other one as well. Or they own 
VDHG oh, and I'll, or I'll buy DHHF. Yeah. And so they're buying more of the same thing. And this yeah. is where this stuff on the table here, Kate, comes into play. <laughs> Owen's prompts. Yeah. So do you want me to go through it? Yeah, sure. Okay. So on the table, we've got this big pile of chocolates and then we've got a little pile of chocolates and there's only about six or seven. So this is trying to be our IVV. So the small, yep, the small pile, uh, we've only got six or seven, but imagine those are 500. Yes. So that's the IVV ETF. And then over on the left-hand side where we've got all of the chocolates and we've got this money, the money is designed to signify a bond because most bonds come from the government, which is like the money that we see. So a lot of people go, oh, well, I've got the IVV ETF, but this one, the VDHG one sounds pretty cool. Or they do it the other way. They're like, I've got VDHG, I've got all these chocolates, and I've got this money. Why don't I buy these ones? Now, can you see the problem with doing that? There'd be some kind of overlap put in there. Exactly. Yeah. Like everything We've that's in VDHG... Picnics in both piles. <laughs> ...is also yeah. in VD, IVV. So you're just getting exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, so we've got a heap of apple in this pile... Yeah, which might be the picnic. And then you can see there's heaps of picnics over there. And yeah. Apple will also be a large position in VDHG just given the size of the company. Yeah. So there comes a point where you just have to look at it. And you have to go, oh, I've already got all that stuff. I don't need anything else. Yeah. And it also happens that like if you have, say, the smaller pile of IVV and you have VDHG, you're going to get that – remember that tax statement that I said? Yes. You're going to get one of those for every ETF that you hold. So if you have 10 ETFs, you're going to get – you know bunch of different tax statements and it just makes things more complicated when you look in your account yeah yeah and it also starts to change your risk profile because vdhg very we've got a balanced high growth portfolio because we have 10 percent exposure to so bonds, bonds over and the back cash here. over here whereas ivv over here is u.s companies only mm -hmm. and so suddenly we've gone from this and we're adding more u.s exposure so it almost changes us to a slightly higher growth investor than potentially we wanted to be. Yeah. yeah okay. So inside of the VDHG ETF, we're getting all of this stuff. And we have Australian companies in here. Yeah. We've got our international shares. We've got small companies. We've got all different. We've got emerging markets, which is the dream. Um, and over in the IVV, we've only got US companies. Now, what happens if we put all of those together, put all together, now we've got more chocolate than we do the fake notes. So what's actually happened is now we've got more shares in our portfolio mm -hmm. as a percentage of the overall portfolio. So what that actually means is when you add more shares, you're getting more risk. Like if you add all of these chocolates, you'd probably have a heart attack. <laughs> so that's the basic point. Like you want to go to a level that you're comfortable with. Right. Yeah. And sometimes because people are getting started and learning about the ETFs, they don't if they haven't looked at the holdings closely, they don't realize they're like, this VDHG is a great ETF, IVV is a great ETF, shouldn't I have both? And they don't realize that they're overlapping and changing their risk profile yeah. by adding more shares to their portfolio. So you'd kind of just want to pick one or the other. Yeah. You can do a little bit. Like some people want to do a little bit more, but that's yeah. okay. it's just to be mindful of it. Okay. Yeah. You might intentionally want to increase your US exposure for a period of time. So you might, on purpose, add IVV to VDHG. The, the, the part where people come unstuck a bit, Monique, is mm -hmm. I've just separated all of the cherry ripes from the group. Yeah. Okay, now I don't have, there's only four, but imagine there's more cherry ripes already in VDHG over here. What people do is they buy a thematic ETF, and that's the one where it only buys one thing. Yeah. So it'd be like cybersecurity, uh, renewable energy stocks, um, whatever you get yeah. the idea. 
Now, what they do is they go, oh, that's pretty cool thematic. I'm going to invest in that. And then what they do is they take all their cherry ripes and they chuck them in with the other cherry ripes that they've already got. Okay. The problem is, do you need more? People just think, oh, I'm just buying cybersecurity stocks. But then you realize, hold on a second, I already have cybersecurity mm-hmm. stocks. There's all these other things here. So it's just being aware of it. Okay. If that's what you want, sure. Yeah. But we had one or a couple of members write into us from Rask and say, I've got 30 ETFs and 20 stocks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you probably need about three <laughs> if that. So, yeah. um, so if, they if were you over-diversified. If you have that many, then you'd have lots of overlaps. Heaps of overlaps. There'd be like 30 of these piles on the table. Yeah. Um, and you'd just be like, is there any structure? What are you actually trying to do? So one of the things that we did when I was an investment consultant, one of the things that we always did was we always asked ourselves, what's the best expression so if I want to invest in something, what's the best way to express that investment or sh- express that view of the world? And if you just think about that, if you just want to invest in the strongest, just the strongest companies in the world, you'd probably go to the IVV ETF, just the American ones, because they're the strongest. Yeah. Got a stable democracy so far. Um, they have good property rights and they have a good way to kind of Americanize the world. But if you want some you know some more spice in there and you want some things from emerging markets like um, India, Brazil and these types of places then you might go well I'll go VGS okay. because that's what I want. Yep. Uh, and that's just, it's it's like a preference that we have to make. Okay. Yeah, or a choice that we have to make, sorry. Um, and that's basically it. Yep. Yeah. So that makes sense. there's actually a free tool that's available on the Vanguard website just for people that are new to this it's called we'll put a link in the show it's called fund compare so like comparing funds and you can see that i can just type in the the etfs and then it compares them oh nice so it says how big they are how many holdings do they have um the one for ivv isn't exactly accurate but that's okay it's just a general thing you can see the performance over time of the different etfs you can see what types of things they're invested in when they started you can cool. see the top 10 holdings and you can just go through. And then what you can do is you can say, well, there's a big colorful pie chart here. You can be like, you know what? I've already got enough of that sector, mm. like IT in my portfolio. I don't need more of that. Yeah. So that's how you can think about yeah, it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a really good sense. way to like compare. Yeah, yeah. the simple. pair. So <laughs> when you, because you have IOZ in your portfolio, you've already got exposure to top 200 yeah. Australian companies when you go to buy your next ETF, it's probably a good idea yeah, to quickly put it in there and yeah, see. and check what the top 10 holdings, I guarantee one will be BHP. You'll probably have some banks in there. You want to know what the top 10 holdings are there so you're not overlapping too much. So you might add something like IVV to your portfolio to get it and there would be no overlap because mm-hmm. one is just Australian companies, one is just US companies mm-hmm. and that could be another piece in your core portfolio. But if you are looking at VDHG or DHHF, which we did a review on the podcast mm. recently, you might go, oh, I've got um, Telstra in this portfolio and I'm getting Telstra in this portfolio. Is that what I actually wanted mm. to express, as Owen said? Yeah. yeah. So here we can see, that's well said, Kate. So here we can see, well, I've just added the IOZ ETF to this mix of comparisons. Okay, cool. And oh, so we, you can add more than two? Yeah, you can have cool. up to four. So Excellent. if we scroll right down... This is where it's most important. So here in these, the, the iShares, the IVV and the VGS, you can see IVV is 99% United States. It's 71% United States in VGS, but it's only 2% of your ETF that you own now. Okay, cool. But it's 
nine, yours is 96% Australian. Yeah. So they're totally different, which yeah. is what we want. Yeah. So I could do something like that. You could add. Yeah. These, if I, I'm not giving you advice, but um, <laughs> those would be, one of these two would be the next ETF I'd add to your portfolio. Okay, cool. If I was not giving you advice. <laughs> Um, so, I like him, non-advice. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, the other the other thing that we just want to be mindful of, uh, which is not covered in this comparison thingo, um, although it is on the the best ETFs website. If you click on, if you go to our best ETFs website and you click on the ETF that you're looking for, if we just go, I don't know, let's go, we'll go to the, uh, the VTS ETF. This is the Vanguard one that invests in US companies. VTS is the ticker symbol. We get asked a lot about this. Now, one of the things that happened with this ETF, Monique, is it's very low cost. You can see how low the costs are. But this ETF, for its tax reasons, is actually not an Australian fund. Even though you can buy it in your share brokerage account, the where it's based for tax rules is in the United States. Okay. So what that means is that it exposes you to more complicated tax returns. Yeah, so what happens with that? So you need to fill out a form called a W-8-BEN form. This is a form that your broker will give to you. Okay. And it's a ta- US tax uh, thing. If you do, if you make any money basically in the United States from Australia, you should fill out this form. Even okay. if you, if it's not investing, just any type of money. Yeah. The reason is that there's a tax treaty between the United States and Australia. Because if you think about it, if someone goes to the America and earns a lot of money but never files a tax return. That means the American economy is losing. So what they do is they withhold tax from foreigners like us. So this this basically means that there's a tax treaty and reduce that tax, please. But for most people, we don't want to bother with this thing. So most ETFs in Australia are Australian. Mm -hmm. This one is not. Okay. Is this like a one-off thing that you need to do or? Yeah, this is a one-off thing when you pick your ETF. Just look at what the tax, what's called tax domicile is. Yeah, um, most... The yeah, so IVV is Australian domicile yep. and it has been for quite a few years now. Okay. So you wouldn't have to do yep. this with that. The reasons, yeah. So the this tax form, the reason why the Vanguard one is like this, I think, is that it's cheaper. Okay. So basically what they're saying here is we're, ta- we're, we're offering our US fund for you here in Australia, mm-hmm. but you've got to fill out the tax form. Right. Because if we do it, it's a little bit more complicated and it might end up costing a bit more. Yeah. So... What they say is, you do it yourself. Yeah. Right. Whereas with the the IVV ETF, which I mentioned before, this ETF, all it is, it's like a shell in Australia, and that's the shell that you invest in. But what it then does is it takes your money and invests in the US version. Okay. So there's like think of like there's two versions of it. Mm-hmm. There's the Australian IVV, and then the United States is another one. Yeah. And all the Australian one does is just invest in the United States one. Yeah. Okay. So they've basically made it easier for you by creating like a feed, we'll call a feeder. Yeah. So it just feeds back and forth. Yeah. So then you don't have to worry about it. It's an additional step you have to think about. But fortunately, most funds in Australia aren't like this. And you can almost bet, I don't don't think there's any Australian shares ETFs that have this weird quirk. Okay. So it's VTS is the most popular one. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Kate, do we look at long-term share price charts? We did at the start of the episode. Yes. (laughs) And that's important, right? Yes. We want to make sure the ETF is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And um, as we as we had a look, we had a look at the since inception figures because it has a really long track record for IVV. We don't just look at one year. Well, one year might turn you off in this case. Yeah, it looks um, bad. Yeah, but we don't just look at three-year or five-year. 
if we can, we look at 10 year or since inception, if that's even longer. Yep. And the reason that we do that, Monique, is again, a lot of people... So a lot of people invest in ETFs or invest in different things, like with fund managers, Mm -hmm. many of whom you've met. Um, They invest with fund managers and then they look at the returns and they're like, oh, it's done 7% per year, right? A lot of investors in these ETFs and whatever don't actually end up earning those returns because they're constantly buying and selling. There are numerous studies that show people buy high, sell low, buy high, sell low, fear, greed, fear, greed, fear, greed. And they just toggle between those two things and they lose patience Mm -hmm. and they end up doing worse. Okay. Yeah. So this is why we say just Just focus on the long term. You have to give the ETF time to do its thing. Yeah, it's okay. not a short-term activity at all. Yeah, I don't care if IVV goes up 50% in the next year. I'm not going to invest more into it. Mm. Does that make sense? Because it doesn't matter what it does in one year. Yeah. It matters what it's going to do over 10 years. Yeah, right. I don't care if it falls 50%. Yeah. Well, that might be actually a good thing because then you can put more in, but it, it doesn't really matter. What matters is what's going to happen over 10 or 20 years. Yeah, kind of have to give it a chance. Exactly. So when you look at share price charts, a lot of your websites that you go to or your brokerage account will default to like daily prices and that's designed to get you to act because the brokers make money when you buy and sell. They don't make money when you just hold it. Mm -hmm. So they want you to keep toggling. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. So So when you're looking at the news, it's often going to talk about what happened in the last 24 hours, not what's happened with this. And the news doesn't really talk about ETFs much. It's not going to say, look what happened over the last 10 years with the IVV ETF. It's going to go, oh, $5 billion wiped off the market today. Yeah. It's a more exciting headline. Absolutely, it is. And so just, you know, Perla, which sponsor of the show, they actually do this. They default to 10 years. Oh, cool. And a lot of people think it's boring. Yeah, okay. Like some of our members that have transitioned to Perla are like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, I want the daily price chart, you know, <laughs> because our, that's our way our brains are wired now. Yeah. yeah. And there's plenty of places you can find a daily price yeah, chart different without having to hunt. I think yeah. Google defaults to daily too. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Um, and so the PDS is the thing that we always tell people to read. Monique, that's available on the provider's website. So here with the S&P 500, you can just click on uh, literature is what they call it, but it can be like documents. It can be called... PDS. And you just go down, there's a section for all the documents. Yes. So their PDS has a lot of ETFs all in one PDS. So you just have to scroll through to find the specific information you want on your ETF that you're looking at. Um, But there is a lot of general information as well at the start on just how the products work and the contact details as well. Because at the end of the day, every ETF behind the scenes is basically the same thing. Yeah. It takes your money and it invests in something and your money is held by a custodian. Mm-hmm. So a different company altogether holds your money. And then your share registry, like this would be like computer share or link, like the place where you do your financial admin, yeah. it's all the same. Okay. Yeah. The ETF provider just picks one and goes with it. Yeah. And so what they do is then they try and make these PDSs, they combine them all into one because the only things that change are what you're invested in. Yeah. But all of like the, the systems that they use are the same. Okay. And so what would be the most important thing in that document to look for? What would be the most important thing? I mean, it's, I guess there's heaps of stuff in here, but if I was looking at IVV, the thing that, uh, the thing that I'd be looking at is in the document, it just says like about the ETF. So. Yeah. Uh, so if you control F. Got it. Uh, 15. Yeah. The iShares oh. S&P 500 ETF. And it tells you like what the aim of the ETF is. It goes into more detail on the strategy of the ETF, which it won't do on the homepage of the ETF and what the fund invests in. And just about like this one talks about what the index is. Yeah. So it's very simple. It just shows you this is what we aim to do. This is how we do it. 
So just like invest in the top 500 companies. That's basically what this one does. Okay. Now, if you found one of their other ones, like their, they've got a healthcare one, that will say, we don't just invest in all of the shares. We only invest in the healthcare shares. And here's how we find those healthcare shares. Okay. That's basically it. Yeah. Easy. And yeah. even it will have a detailed page on the fees. So that's a bit further down the PDS. It's showing you all the fees for their different products in one spot. And it also explains how they're paid um, and any other details you need to know there and gives you an example, which is helpful. Yep. And so it's really simple. It it kind of just, our PDS will have the risks. It will have an example of how the fees are paid. Uh, and then it will have um, some tax information, some very basic tax information. This is normally a little bit more legally than the websites. Like it's a little bit harder to read, but it is your, um, I guess, your place of truth, your single source of truth. So in Australia, if an ETF, an ETF has to have a PDS and it has to be current. So they can't just be like, we've, yeah, we started with that PDS and then two weeks later they decided to go invest in, um, you know, New Zealand. Um, it would be totally illegal. So everything basically that is said in the PDS is what they do. Okay. And the moment they step outside of that is the moment they'll lose their license to operate in Australia. Yeah. So And it goes into details about who the custodian, who the share registry is, who the market maker is, how they deal with conflicts of interest. Like it has a lot of detail. I mean, I'd recommend having a read and putting the time into. And then if you have questions, you can get in contact with them. They have customer support yeah, teams. Okay, cool. And they're supposed to be able to answer questions about their product disclosure statement. It's meant to be understandable mm -hmm. from a consumer on the street. Yeah. The, the beta shares ones are probably too basic for me. Mm -hmm. They're so basic, they almost skip some of the things you need to know. But like that one, you can see there's a lot of detail in that one. Yeah. That's because all it's for all of them. So okay. yeah. um, that's why it's so detailed. And you love the US disclaimers that are all in caps locks. Yeah, they've, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah they scare you off. Screaming at you. There's yeah. not too many pages of caps lock in here, which is good. Oh, and it has a glossary. It has it about a three-page glossary. glossary. So if you're new to investing, that, that could be lock. a good tool to use. It's at the very end of the product disclosure statement. So that might be a good port of call to understand what some of these acronyms mean. Cool. And so finally, uh, we'll just talk about, I guess, how the, an ETF like IVV fits in a portfolio. So if you go to your super fund website, uh, let's say we go Australian Australian super pre-mix is what they call them. It's like um, how you get Coke out of one of those taps at a pub. Um, so what is that mixed with? Soda water, isn't oh, it? Okay. Is it just sugar and soda? I don't. I have no idea. Stepping outside my lane here, Kate. This is a finance yeah, podcast. Yeah, I feel like pre-mixed is. <laughs> you'd probably have a better example for pre-mixed, like the box of favourites. It's yeah, pre-mixed. Box of favourites, <laughs> pre-mixed. Okay, so here on the Australian uh, Super website, you can see what their their portfolio looks like. This is just like a. So pre-mixed just means like, yeah, they've put it together for you. Yeah, cool. You can see that it it invests. Currently, 28% in Australian shares, 42% in international shares. It invests nothing in infrastructure, nothing in property, and it invests 25% in fixed interest, those like bonds, mm -hmm. and 5% in cash, which is just like cash. Yep. Um, people tend to think that that means that they've got a mountain of cash sitting at the Australian super office. It doesn't. It's just like cash in a bank account or something like that. Okay. Um, now, this is their very simple, they call it their index, index diversified options, very low cost, very simple. They've got some other more complicated strategies. But using a website like this, you can get a sense of what does a professional do. Mm -hmm. So you can be like, 
okay, they've got of their portfolio, they've got about a third in Aussie shares, just under half in international shares. So maybe I could think about doing something like that. And that could be like a starting point for you. Okay. But this is the biggest question when it comes to investing is how much do you put in each different thing? We already mentioned that if you want international shares, um, you probably don't want to have 10 different ETFs for that. You could probably just have one or two. Yeah. If you want Australian shares, you could probably just have one or two. But you might get one that invests in the big shares and one that invests in the small shares. And when it comes to bonds, you probably only really need Australian bonds. But you, if you wanted to, like I don't, at yeah. the moment, I don't Some super funds will have international bonds in them yeah. as well. I don't really advocate for bonds at the moment because of where interest rates are. But you can, instead of bonds, you could have cash. So there or are a term ETF, deposit. Or term deposit. Which is a completely valid or part of offset, an investment offset portfolio. Offset, yeah. um, there are uh, ETFs in Australia that just invest in cash. Remember, I, I think I mentioned this one? Yeah. Yeah. So you could use that in, in place of the, the bonds there. But this is a good starting point. So your Australian shares ETF, which is IOZ, mm-hmm. then if you just look at this, the next biggest pie, according to this one, part of the pie, sorry, is international shares. So you should probably think about adding that next. Okay, cool. And then maybe after that, then you start thinking about maybe do I need some cash in my portfolio? And, you know, then we can talk about portfolio construction in a whole other episode. But that just gives you a sense of what does a professional do? What can I aim for? And there's many different websites you can use. Or you can go to the Vanguard website. Kate was referencing VDHG. Yep. All of this stuff. You can just look at what they do. Cool. And you can try and build your own. Okay, cool. So that's just like a good example to go by. Yeah, it's just a good example. It's not perfect for everyone. Um, You know, some younger people would have almost all of their money in just Australian and international shares. Mm -hmm. And they might have a tiny little bit of cash in their portfolio, like 5% or 10%. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's an ongoing debate what oh, a huge. diversified portfolio should look like and how much you should allocate to Australian shares, US shares, property infrastructure, if at all, bonds. Like this question has not been answered one single time. It's right. been answered millions of times in different ways across blogs, websites, different fund managers, different super funds, yeah, Facebook forums. It There's no one single answer. Yep. So is it just a matter of your own preference then? Yeah, well, it comes to a point. So we did... This is what I've been working on lately for the uh, RAS core membership is basically helping people understand how to pick a portfolio and, and build a portfolio. And we've got some really simple tools and some kind of like recipes and strategies to follow in there. But if the longer you go through this, what you realize is that everyone does it differently. You don't want to pick, let's say you only want to invest in five ETFs. You don't want to pick the five ETFs that have just done the best over the last five years. Because if you do that, you're just going to end up with share ETFs. You do need some cash or something like that as like um, kind of like a defensive part of a portfolio. So even if it's like 90% of your money are in, is in shares and then 10% is in the defensive stuff, right? Like um, there are numerous different ways to invest in shares. There's small cap shares. There's the S&P 500. There's VGS. There's, as I said about Stockspot, the IOO ETF. There's the... Um, you know, Vanguard small shares. There's so many different ways. But you want to also think about the risk because there's a chance that shares don't do well um, all the time. Like we showed before with the IVV ETF, there was about 10 years mm. where it went backwards. Yeah. So you don't want to just have 100% of your money in that thing. Yeah. You do want to almost prepare for everything. Yeah, okay. 
So have some Australian shares, some US shares. Just a bit of everything. Yeah, you might have some that only invest in um, dividend stocks. You know, just a little bit. Um, and we, if you jump into the membership, you can take a look and see the portfolios that we put together. But otherwise, Australian Super, there's a bunch of other big names like cool. that you can reference. Yeah. Okay, Kate, that's the end of this episode. In the, the next episode, we're going to talk about how do you actually invest in it. It's going to be a quicker episode and we're going to cover off some of the absolute basics now that we know what an ETF is, how they work. How whether, to research how them. How to research them, how they fit in a portfolio, whether Cherry Ripe is better than Turkish Delight so on and so forth um so we'll see you in the next episode thanks for tuning in for this one be Uh, sure to find us if you have any questions we'll include all the resources we reference throughout the episode in the show notes alongside our google doc which has our etf investing checklist and the research activity we mentioned in part three of this mini series yep and if you do get a chance it's probably worth watching this back because we do share our screens just in case you're listening to this via audio so you can actually If you just learn how to do an ETF once, you never need to learn it again. So if you just sit down and watch the video once, yeah, it's going to pay its dividends for many, many years. So give that a crack. All right, time to get stuck into this morrow. Kate Campbell, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. And Monique Mini Pizza, thank you for joining us. Anytime. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at risk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. 
You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.